State of Unity podcast, where we talk with people who used to live the ordinary and are now living in the extraordinary. Today, we talk with Ryan Kurtwright of Come Kite With Us and BuoyWear.com. Seven years ago, Ryan, his wife, and their two-year-old daughter left their careers, family, and home in Seattle, Washington for life abroad. Now, settled in Alcuyo, Mexico, Ryan shares how they prepared for the change, what motivated it, and their vision for the future. I'm your host, Cara Irene, founder of State of Unity, where our goal is to connect, grow, inspire, and explore. Without further ado, let's get over to Ryan and life in El Cuyo. Well, thank you so much for making time for me today. I had such a good time meeting you, your wife, everybody down in El Cuyo. I was blown away listening to some people talk about how hard it is for them to get like chicken for dinner or steak or something. So the fact that you guys have lived there for five years and I don't know. I can't imagine our <laughs> struggles with that, but um, so I know you, you order should... your, your chicken. You have to specify that you want it dead. <laughs> have you made so that, that mistake uh, before? Did you learn that the hard way? They can bring you a, a live chicken. Like here it is. You're like, Whoa, <laughs> oh, uh. <laughs> they're like, oh, I was hoping it was dead, and they're like, wait here, and they'll walk around a corner like, and bring it back a dead chicken. <laughs> oh my goodness I would not farewell <laughs> I'm sure there's a YouTube video out there that can teach you how to fillet it up once that happens but I can butcher a chicken now which I learned skills like that here certainly I'd say living in a kind of a remote or part of Mexico my my handyman skills that I didn't have in the States living in Seattle have certainly increased across the board. <laughs> Fixing stuff because you can't buy new something or repairing something or yeah, butchering a chicken. <laughs> a lot of these <laughs> random becoming, skills. Becoming the manly man you never thought you'd be, right? <laughs> something like that. So how in the world did you end up in El Cuyo from Seattle, Washington? Well, First, so people know what El Cuyo is. El Cuyo is a fishing village of about a thousand people on the coast, the northern coast of the Yucatan of Mexico. Um, and I would say of that, over 50% are under 18. So it's quite a young community and lots of little families. And 95% of people are fishing fishermen. There's a handful of expats that have moved here and uh, of the half of the expats here, so there's probably 40 or 50 full-time in town now, over half of them are all kiteboarders, kite surfers. And so that's how we got here. We followed the wind to come here. But to reel that all back, um, in, in 2015, my wife and I quit our jobs. I was working at an engineering firm, and she was working at Amazon.com. And we quit our jobs with the sole goal of traveling the world. Um, at the time, we had a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter that was kind of part of the game plan, that was part of the game plan, and our goal was to travel the world for a couple years and, and find our own little piece of windy paradise and, and move there permanently. A couple steps further than that, 
that five years before that. So that was 2015. In 2009, I got into kite surfing with my wife. And uh, within our first and second trips, we were meeting people that were sort of living a lifestyle like us. So my wife and I were working, I worked for the engineering firm. She worked for Amazon and we were working at least 40 hours a week. If not like my wife at Amazon working 60 hour weeks. So, but yeah, we started traveling and we were working long hours, especially my wife at Amazon and, 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 going on these trips, we would meet people that had relocated for kiting and whether they owned a kite school or a bar or a restaurant or had built a little hotel, they oftentimes had similar stories like, hey, I used to work a nine to five, wear a tie every day. Now I wear flip-flops and board shorts. And, and you know, for us, we're like, yeah, living the dream. And so it was on our second trip, I think that my wife and I, we went for 20 days we had both been sort of guilt tripped by our bosses for, for leaving for 20 full days. Like, Hey, couldn't you do like a week or 10 days and then do the other one six months later. And we're, and we're like, no, we're going to do 20 days. But, and then even when we were there at around 15 days, we're both feeling, um, I'd say anxiety about how much stuff would be piling back up at work, yeah. all our responsibilities. And I can relate as to we that. were leaving, yeah, as we were leaving, we're like, why are we, why are we going back to this? Like, why couldn't we have this lifestyle if we wanted to? And we started making plans to do that with a five-year plan of pay down debt uh, or pay off most debt, except for our house and maybe my, my college loans and save money. So we'd have a nest egg. And part of that plan was to have a kid at the two and a half year point. So she'd be two and a half years old when we started traveling and could, um, express herself we thought like okay this provides some safety she could say oh my tummy hurts or oh I fell down and hurt my arm and not just a baby crying so <laughs> part of that was the plan as well and and then you know as you're making this plan I think I told you before so many people are like are you guys crazy you guys make good yeah. money you got these good jobs you're super secure you got a house in Seattle why would you even think of giving this up and I'm but sure, especially of, with a kid too, that probably adds a whole nother layer of people. Like, what are you yeah, thinking? For sure. Yeah, for sure. And and I can expound on some of those questions. Like a lot of questions like, well, what's she going to do for sports? <laughs> what do you mean? They're like, you know, like team sports. I'm like, well, we're going to be living at the beach where everybody kite surfs. So I, I think she could do that and we help each other. And But there's beach volleyball, there's kids play soccer in other countries, you know, yeah. um, but there was always reactions. Um, and, uh, but as I was like at work, you're looking at people that are in their fifties and sixties and, and getting overweight and, and working a desk job. And there was that, Hey, this, this big fear, uh, you know, a FOMO in a sense of, if I don't change something, that's going to be me. And and is this it? If that's the case, is what I have right now, is this it for my life? And wow. we just kind of couldn't get past that. So that really kept driving us to make the change. And I would say the, the kiteboarding community has been really awesome because they were always the ones being like, go do this. We'll come visit you. It's going to be amazing. But then a secondary thing happened was that my, my grandmother got dementia and when we went to visit her, really it was my last time going to visit her. We went on a kite trip in Hatteras and she was in an old folks home that 
could deal with somebody who needed help with everything. And uh, she was on her way out. So it was really my chance to go say goodbye. But mm -hmm. seeing her with dementia as well really put some other things into check in my mind and, and made our plans even more like, yeah, this is the right decision for us. Because when I saw her, she could, she was at the point where she could no longer make any new memories. And mm -hmm. in fact, could just access, like when she'd take a nap, she could access some of her past for maybe a half an hour and then it would just kind of fall apart like a computer with bad RAM just loading up and breaking down. Wow. But I realized at that point in time, looking at her as an old person in an old folks home that some people say, hey, don't store up wealth and things because when you die, you can't take them with you. But I actually realized at that point too that, well, if you just get old enough, you'll lose everything you own anyways. Like if you live long enough, your stuff will be taken away from you most likely because you can't take care of yourself and those will be sold off to put you somewhere where people can't take care of you. And the second was, was that the, without having any possessions in, the only thing my grandmother po possessed was her memories when she could access them, you know, and, and, and not all of us would have dementia, but I really realized as we get older, like that's the richness of life is the memories we create. And as I was looking then back on my life in the, the last few years, you know, there's a movie Groundhog's Day with Bill Murray where he's waking up <laughs> to the same day every day. And I realized like, except for my vacations, except for points I was challenging myself or learning something new, I was just creating a gray day. And all I could access were all these gray days that were the same. So there was nothing to differentiate them from themselves. Looking back on the whole year, I realized I didn't have that many memories for quite a few years. I had this gray day of going to work. And then, like I said, vacations, holidays, some learning experiences or some traveling. But so that really kicked me, kicked me into like high gear of like, okay, every time I go on vacation, it seems to be very vivid. I'm traveling in a new country, seeing a new culture, meeting new people. And I can almost a year later, two years later, recall every single day, play by play of the things I did. And so part of that idea to go travel for at least two years before we settled was like, hey, let's create some memories. And right away when we started traveling, two things happened. One was within just a month or two, because when we left, the other thing that keeps you secure is if you're scared to travel, you can always remember that you can always come back to what you have. Mm -hmm. We hadn't sold our house. You have these careers. If you've done well, you can come back and get a job. Um, but right away, we're like, okay, we can never go back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th that was that right away, but happened. But then two is like time itself seemed to just like dilate down. So it was so everything slowed down and we spent a year abroad meeting new people and going to new places and seeing cultures and, and all these things. And when we got back from the United States, it was, it seemed like we got back for two weeks to visit our parents for Christmas before taking off to Asia after our first year and in South America and the Caribbean. And we, we got back and it seemed like the longest year I'd ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. And most of my friends were like, I can't believe you've been gone a year. It was like, it was like yesterday you left. And I really realized that that's what's happening. And when you're just doing the same thing day in, day out is that your, your life's just flashing by. And when you go and experience these things, it's, you know, there are some people that think that when you're a little kid, life seems so 
long because you don't have much to compare it by. But there's a lot of new studies that think more likely it's that you're learning, you're filling up so much memory space that time itself seems to dilate within your consciousness. Wow, and and I love an that. adult having the same experience, it's like life itself got more rich and slowed down and didn't seem to be flashing by. And so within that first year, we're like, this is this is where we need to be and the type of life we need to be living. How do we like perpetuate it from here? I have to say, when we were in Alcuyo, the I know at least the first day and probably every day thereafter, we all said no less than 10 times, like, it's only this time. It's only this. I mean, by noon, the first day, we were like, how is it not 6 p.m.? We've done so much. It just time just stretches. So I can 100% relate to that statement. And it's great when people are here and they're like, what, what day is today? What's the yeah. date? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. No idea. Days, they don't even know what day it is anymore or what the date is. And then sometimes, yeah, you're like, it's this day. And they're like, I still got like 10 days left. Like, I feel like it's been so long. We've done so much. Yeah. But, yeah. I got 10 days here. Wow. Wow. I got 10 more left. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how we started traveling. And then, and then within that, we followed the wind from, from Asia. We realized that was kind of a bit far for most of our friends to come visit us, our family. And uh, my buddy John and I were starting a kite school. And, and we'd also, uh, we're starting, this is our brand, Wear. We make floating hats and like water apparel at buoywear.com. And so all of those things kind of said, hey, we need to be positioned a little closer to the United States. And, and that's kind of how we started looking into Mexico. And ideally, we were looking for a place that wasn't already blown out with foreigners. The prices of land hadn't gone way up. In fact, my goal was if I could find a place where there weren't Americans living already and be the first American there, mm. um, that would probably be good for me as far as opening a kite surfing school. And so that's kind of how we found El Cuyo. And, and now it's, it's one of those places that, yeah, we feel super special to have gotten in early and here. And this background, of course, uh, is a picture of our waters in March. So the end of this month, they should be looking like this. Gorgeous. And it's a cool place for, if for other people that don't know about El Cuyo as well, it's, on a, it's a little town on a game reserve. So we have um, about 50,000 flamingos uh come here to migrate here to have their babies starting they're migrating in now mm -hmm. um but they'll all be here by may and in may they start doing their nesting where they'll lay their eggs and then raise their babies in the lagoons here that was such and a cool thing to experience yeah they're so pink and i just uh back in september saw the flamencos in africa and they were more of like a light pink you could kind of tell they were pink but these the vibrancy was unbelievable. And I have to admit, I, I also had no idea prior to this trip that there were even flamingos in Mexico. So it was cool. Very cool. What, what's cool about the flamingos as well is, you know, they're born gray. And oftentimes, even when they arrive here from somewhere else, they're gray. Hmm. And they get, the, they get the dyes from the organisms they eat that goes into their feathers. So the babies oh, are wow. born completely gray. And then within like a month, month and a half of feeding they turn bright pink as well so cool and as you can see this water you know we get to see dolphins and manta rays and stuff but one a really cool view is when a big group of flamingos flies across this turquoise water it's it's quite the 
contrast and super cool. Everybody's always excited. Love it. Yeah, it's surreal. Um, and so you, you had plans or have plans, I should say, to build sort of like, um, like a guest house type experience. Right. We're, we're, we're building a, a guest house that, um, that will have enough rooms available to accommodate groups and a host. And yeah, as I was telling you, besides having plans to do some kite camps and maybe even some fishing camps, I, I, I want to take kids. Oftentimes there's parents who have kids that want to do fishing, but the parents don't know the sport. I'd like to bring them down in groups as well and then have camps where the kids get to interact and have contests and learn how to fish and the parents don't have to be the ones to try and learn from scratch and kind of and and give the parents some fun things to do with their kids and make memories but the other thing i was telling you is you know as a place that's windy and we're going hey we have wind for four or five months out of the year what do we do some of these other months of the year and we've certainly seen obviously a big need or so many people that meet us are like oh, i really wish i could do what you guys are doing and, and we always tell anybody you can, and it, as you mm-hmm. said, it takes a little bit of courage, but some of the stuff that removes some of that courage is one, having people you can talk to that are inspirational, but also can help you come up with your own plan for, okay, is what's best for me in my life to take a six month sabbatical from work where my boss, you know, I talk my boss into letting me do it or, or that I should quit and just travel the world for a bit. How much would I need to save to do this? And still come home with a little money if I decided it wasn't for me to do a restart. To to help people decide what the plan is. To help people just think about what their uh, strengths are. Because the other thing I would say is, you know, I did prepare before we left. And I got my IKO, International Kiteboarding Organization, certification for teaching. So I knew as I traveled, I could get jobs and make some money. But that being said, there's a lot of places you can go where you can pick up some extra money here and there or work online. Um, and, and the other thing I'd say is I came from an engineering background and if I'd stayed in my job, like now I, I get subcontracted to do high-end uh, networked audio systems on mega yachts and I charge top dollar for that. And that opportunity would never have presented itself had I stayed at my old mm. engineering firm. Yeah. So the only reason that opportunity happened. And, and so, so often we just tell people like, just get out. And the other thing that's going to happen besides like, if you go to a camp, you'd meet other like-minded people. You'd be surprised how everybody tossing ideas around mm-hmm. inspires you. And you're like, I could do this. Um, yeah. But also just getting out and doing it. I, I find that, you know, they, there's the old saying that God helps those that help themselves. And certainly if you wait around for stuff to happen, it doesn't. But if you just start moving and, and get out there, then the world starts to present opportunities that you would never expected to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, as we meet people that come through El Cuyo that are digital nomads of some sort or travelers or, or people we've met around the world, you see that story reoccurring over and over and over. So a lot of, yeah, we want to, I want to do some camps that are kind of like passion to profession or, you know, I don't know what to call it, but where, where we help people just come up with that plan. Like, Hey, I want to travel. I want to live abroad. And certainly that's the thing I'd say is I'm, I'm passionate about kiteboarding. I'm passionate about fishing now. Um, 
I before I like to make music, I produce a lot of music, but I would say in the nine to five job world, I didn't have much inspiration or much time to do that type of stuff. And so in the last, you know, couple of years, I've, I've produced more music than I had before. And so like, I think that's what for most people, I think can say we could all agree that the, the greatest commodity we have is time. When we don't have time for ourselves, we're, we're not going to be as happy or as fulfilled as when we're given time and we can pursue our passions. Yeah. And um, yeah. certainly I, an idea for people is being able to make a dollar or a euro while living in a developing country uh, presents a lot of time for people. And it's maybe not for everybody, but but certainly as I as I say now, a lot, a lot of people that thought I was crazy or thought my wife and I were crazy before we left. <laughs> come visit now and at some point it dawns on them they're like so your entire life is like my two-week vacation right yeah yeah (laughs) I heard someone say recently (laughs) I think and I think it applies you know whether or not kind of like you're saying it might not be for everybody but I think you'll probably agree that everyone can gain something from just stepping outside of that routine whether it be a week two weeks whatever and just reset and refocus and think like what is my purpose what is my drive you know what what do I need more of in my life that I can get excited about and just so you don't feel like you're in that rat race or you know the the groundhog day cycle and I think the best and the fastest way to do that is to just step outside of that routine you know and surround yourself with like-minded people and just sit back and just enjoy life a couple days and let your mind run Absolutely. And I I would say one of the things I saw traveling is, you know, if I was talking to a younger audience than ones that are like, hey, we're in our career and we want to create our career in travel, but talking to maybe a younger audience like in in just out of high school, maybe they're in their first year of college and like, what am I doing here? What do I really want to be? So I'm just Mm -hmm. taking classes. I know I did that. Like, I'm just taking classes. I'll get my prerequisites, then I'll figure it out. One of the things traveling when we were staying in the Philippines, these these boys that were 18 and 19 years old came and moved in underneath us and they were windsurfers. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, well, we graduated high school last year in, in June and this was in December. I'm like, well, what's this? And they're like, this is our gap year. I'm like, what's a gap year? Coming from the US, I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And they're like, no, it's the year we don't do anything. And our parents go encourage us to like travel the world and see stuff and experience cultures before we make a decision on what kind of career we want to do for our life and what we want to go to college for and these types of things. And I, and I was kind of mind blown, but I thought like, what a, what a great idea. And that's something I yeah. encourage Americans to do. I don't think we do enough of it. We've got this idea uh-huh. that we have to get right into college and get moving into a career because if you don't, you're going to miss out. And mm-hmm. I think... Because of that, people spend money on classes and years in college that become wasted years. And, and they don't get a chance, like you said, to experience the world and find themselves and really figure out what their passions are, what makes them tick as an adult. And I think it's getting more popular now, but I agree. It's, uh, it, I think it's, it should be more pronounced uh, in the U.S. for sure. Um, it, this is a a pos- uh, an option which I don't think we really get yeah At least I did yeah no I didn't either so how can we help support you in your mission and 
your everything that you have going on down there. There's a lot of different avenues. So what's the, what's the best way we can support you? Well, yeah. So one way to just support El Cuyo in general is come visit El Cuyo. It's a great place. It's non-touristy. So there's no one, you know, people love it. You can come here and relax. No one's going to ask you if you want your hair braided or need a foot <laughs> massage like 35 times a day on the beach, which in and of itself is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in kiteboarding or kite surfing lessons, uh, uh, my website's comekitewithus.com. Um, so certainly that's something we can offer right now. If nothing else, check it out or like me on Facebook with that, uh, comekitewithus.com, because as we build our place, our, our little, uh, our guest house, there'll be some facilities. My wife is a, a bar instructor and a groove instructor which is like a like a hip-hop type dance and what? so our goal is to that. build a place where we can do everything like that yoga classes uh aerial silk classes Love as it. well as kiting and, and some things like that but that that would be called costa cheeto but if you follow me on the other websites you'll see when that opens we hoping to be open next year this time so roughly december or january 20 or well january 2022 we hope to be fully open Awesome. Um, and if some of these camps or ideas sound cool to you, you can reach out to me on, on comekitewithus.com or come visit. Um, the other thing, bootywear.com, if you do sports like kayaking or fishing or swimming or, well, maybe not swimming, surfing, fishing, uh, stand-up paddleboarding, uh, and need a floating hat, go check them out, bootywear.com. We have a bunch of colors. Love it. Um, but right for right now that's probably the way to support us um awesome there's always there's always opportunities you know that's the cool part about mexico is being able to come and uh, there's opportunities for helping out here so if anybody knows some spanish and wants to teach like english lessons and wants to live at the beach for a little while it's pretty easy to come here and, and find an opportunity to help the community in that way um yeah and there's plenty of tasty restaurants too so you might not need to fillet a chicken but <laughs> just go to restaurants will take care of you <laughs> but as you said the the developing country problems are fun they challenge you and and you realize like oh i have to be more descriptive with my language there than just like, hey, i get a whole chicken and they're like here's your chicken yeah um, awesome yeah Come, come visit El Cuyo. I think that's one thing that after COVID, we certainly were locked down for quite a while. And so it's nice to see some travelers returning this mm -hmm. year. Yeah. And just a quick note on the safety there and the kindness of people is just, I think, beyond what I know in the U.S., what anyone would probably expect. It's just the, the kindness, the generosity. The, you don't really have to worry about anything you know as far as the safety goes i would say our town's super safe um you can walk around anywhere any time of night as a mm -hmm. single girl or woman or something as well and yeah the the local people the kindness from local people that oftentimes are living very meagerly sometimes their house is made out of mostly sheet metal or something and yet they'll offer you you know the the clothes off their back to help you out or mm -hmm. just a quick story on that like one day we wanted to get octopus and i see a guy walking with a bucket and it's got tentacles hanging out and i stop and my my wife driving i'm like stop 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 let me talk to him and i say hey 
can I buy a couple of those octopus from you? And he's like, no. <laughs> Do you have something to put it in? Like a bag? I'm like, yeah. So I jump out. My wife's like, what? He said he wouldn't sell any. I'm like, I know, but he asked if I have a bag. I think he's going to give me some. And sure enough, I walk around. He pulls out three octopus, puts it in a bag. And he's like, enjoy. He knew my name, though. He's like, enjoy, Brian. Or knew my El Cuyo name, which is oh, Brian. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> They, they don't know Ryan's in Mexico. So for the most part, unless they're from like Mexico City or something and also speak English, they just don't hear it. So huh. I can say my name is Ryan and they'll say, hey, mucho gusto, Brian. No, no, no. <laughs> Ryan, solamente are. Okay, Brian, no problem. Okay, it's Brian. So here, here my name is Brian. And even later on, some of my friends have figured it out because they'll like uh. write me on Facebook and it says my name and they'll write out below that Brian. And so their wives have pointed out like, Hey, why are you writing Brian? His name's Ryan. And he's like, I know him as Brian now. He's Brian. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But yeah. People just give you stuff. It's so as my parents, they're in their seventies, they come to visit and they say it's pretty refreshing because they, you know, in the States, you might not know your neighbors and here everybody knows everybody. They're all neighbors. When COVID hit and there wasn't a, like, a, a lot of fishing going on, like some of the guys that have like papaya plantations donated all their papayas instead of selling them to the town. And they drove around in a truck and stopped at every house and gave you like three, four or five big papayas. And even stopping at like our house at the like Americans, like, oh, make sure that the Americans get some too and bring in the truck all the way to us. And that's awesome. That's kind of the community you live in where everybody's trying to take care of each other. And it's, it's really beautiful. refreshing. Yeah. So cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. I want to wrap up with just one or two random fun questions. Um, First question is if you had a sailboat to sail around the world with your family, what would you name it? Ooh, (laughs) what would I name a sailboat? What color is it? Alcuyo blue. Oh, Alcuyo blue. Okay. I don't know. Do, do you have any ideas, Avi? What would what would you? You can sit down to my lap. What would you name it? Blue sea. Blue sea. See, see, that's probably the reality of it. Is if I did have a sailboat, I would not be allowed to name it. My daughter <laughs> would name it. I believe um, that. <laughs> I was expecting it to be like, if you had said brown or black, I can tell you what it would have been named, like Hershey Squirt or Tortuga Negra or something. Is that true, Avi? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, all right. And then my, we'll do one last question, which is, what is your favorite meal that you've ever had, whether it's just the memory that exists around it or the food itself? Ah, yeah. Well, I I could say I've had quite a few meals in that sense that are pretty awesome. I would say whether it was in the Philippines, I have one in the Philippines, I have one in India, I have one in Mauritius. I've certainly had quite a few here in Alcuyo, but the, the richest meals are always when you 
you're in some place foreign and you have a meal with the foreigners and you sit down and they show you their their traditions and how to eat sometimes you're eating with your hands or you're eating parts of animals you've never eaten before mm -hmm. um and you're working past oftentimes language barriers where neither person speaks each other's language very well or at all and you mm -hmm. work through that and you leave though and you're like at the end of the night somehow you it's like Spanglish. My friends come sometimes and don't speak hardly any Spanish, but they're like, somehow I communicate all last night. I'm joking <laughs> with your friends. And like, you know, you get over the language and, and that whole mm -hmm. meal from the food to the experience itself ends up being the richest. And, and certainly for my friends, there's sometimes I've posted pictures of like past memories where I had friends here and we were hanging out with some local families uh, local fishermen families and my friends always respond like that hands down was one of my favorite memories mm. uh, being in El Cuyo and one of my favorite meals ever and I can certainly say the same for myself it's hard to always pull out the single one now that yeah. being said I love eating lobster and calamari and you know yeah so yeah yeah I'm, I'm with you though it's the shared experience I think is what makes it so very cool um, well, thank you again. This was so enriching. You have a really good mindset for, I think, just living outside the comfort zone of making a plan and doing it right. And I'm sure a lot of people can gain um, just some really good resources and what you shared with us. So again, it's comekitewithus.com. You got it. Yep. Awesome. And, and feel free to reach out to me on, on Come Kite With Us on Facebook. And if you have any questions, message me and we can even take it on like personal level too. So for anybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the word. Share with a friend, post it, comment, shout out. Let us know. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another episode. Follow us on our socials and be sure to check out stateofunity.org for upcoming group experiences. This is Kara Irene, hoping we leave you feeling inspired to do more.